This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the low strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cradwell! Oh, it's Hello and welcome to the Low Strangers podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. My guest for this episode is Eric Sabin. I don't think it would be inaccurate to say that Eric is something of a cult hero amongst many Swindon Town fans for various reasons, but mostly for Andy King's comparison to Thierry Henry when Eric arrived in Swindon back in 2001. But we start in France, where his football career started, playing predominantly in the second tier of French football. We talk about his two seasons at Swindon, which just so happened to occur during a time of turmoil. There's a surprise. He played under Andy King, Roy Evans and Andy King again, before leaving to QPR in 2003, where he played under Ian Holloway. A move to Colin Calderwood's Northampton Town followed, and then he moved to Oxford for an ill-fated season and a bit, where he would get relegated to non-league before returning to France. He also had a last hurrah playing Caribbean Cup qualifiers for his native Martinique in 2008. We talk about Andy King, Roy Evans, his teammates settling in Wiltshire after several years playing in France and beyond. It was absolutely brilliant talking to Eric. Eric doesn't have much of a social media presence, so to be able to get his details, dial in, talk to him from the south of France down to this small kitchen in Bristol, it always amazes me. Anyway, it's time to sound the hooter for the Low Strangers podcast. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
Hello, Eric. Hello. It's an, Good morning to everyone. <laughs> it's an absolute privilege to talk to you. It's been a long time, uh, about 16 years since you left Swindon. Uh, yeah, you know, I thought like it was uh, not yesterday, but the day before, I'd say. It's still something very, uh, very actual, very, um, uh, it's still a present for me because that's something who really changed my life to to change country. But So Swindon was, was the first step of something different for me. So um, yeah, it's still a very nice memory. Let's get on with what I always ask any guest on the podcast. And that's the start of the very start, football-wise, really. And that question is, when you were growing up, who was your favourite football team and who were your heroes early on? Um, I obviously grew up in, in Martinique so until uh, 18, so I, I really started uh, um, to play football very early age as any little little boy you know, uh, in, on, the, on this planet, I'd say. But in Martinique, football is obviously the sports number one, number one sport. So started to play in Martinique until my 18 and after my A-level. Uh, I left Martinique to go to Nîmes uh, initially for for study, but I had to lie to my to my mother who was like eight thousand kilometers from me, saying I'm still going to university, but I've been uh, um, um, I've been switching on football. <laughs> so um, so yeah, my my life my football life started in Martinique and. Uh, uh, it's really what what you know uh, pushed me still uh, at, at 44 years old. So yeah, it's uh, yeah everything starts over there. And what is football in Martinique? Because Martinique, as, as you know, they're not a, a, a powerful football nation. It's their it's their home sport, like you said. But what what's the standard of football like when you were growing up in Martinique? Um, it was to be fair, um, uh, yeah, 25, 30 years ago in the 90s. Uh, the level, the standard was decent, um, and any any young lads, any young footballers who were who was managing to, to to play first team football uh, at, at a quite good level, and um, it, it's like a, a county league. It, it would it would it would be it could be compared to a, to a county league, and something not not very something not very well organized, but. In, in any mess, in, in, you, you always got some talent, some people trying to, some people, different people, some uh, players with characteristics, with profiles. So, um, so the, the, the passion was there. Uh, a lot of people in the stand watching the games. And, but unfortunately, because we, we, we are like a, not a French colony, but we say um, um, uh, overseas, uh, overseas French department. So we belong to France, but uh, the organization and, and everything is more difficult when you fall from the, the country you, you, you belong to. Um, but still, you know, we had that, that opportunity very at, at very early in our, our career to go, go to Paris, go to France to play to play games against against the other county. Uh, I'd say Ile-de-France, uh, the, in the south of France, the Provence. So it was very easy for us to 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 to, to rate ourselves uh, at at 12, 14, 16 years old. But so difficult to have a chance to to get into professional football. So it's it, it's not it's not easy at all when you when you're from the um, uh, islands uh, with nothing really organized for for talents. And who were those football heroes? To start with, of Marco van Basten, I think he had a bit of everything, and um, and I still think if Marco van Basten was playing at that uh, um, in our days, he would have been the best centre forward in the world because uh, um, I, I thought he had everything. Yeah, he was elegant, he was uh, uh, very composed, uh, a tall lad, if I can remember, uh, left foot, right foot, he was quick. 
And um, even if I didn't have at, at that age when I was a young teenager, I didn't have that capacity to analyze and understand football that 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 now like now. But uh, it was so obvious to see that that was the, the player. And unfortunately, he's been injured and, and retired very early. I think 29 years old. But when you when you are a young striker and you and you want to play at front up front, uh, to watch Marco van Basten was just uh, yeah just um, a, a privilege, I'd say, a chance. When van Basten scored that goal in Euro '88, and I just yes. remember watching that on Eurosport on rotation and seeing him and Hullet and Rijkaard and Koeman and things like that. A magnificent side. Yes, yes, that that's what I was. I was already 13, so I was already uh, with that idea to 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 be someone in football, try to to get some opportunities, and um, and if, any any football player who's been on a on a football pitch on a football pitch knows that this sort of goals is just impossible to score. <laughs> so um, so technically the compute the com the composure how relaxed you you have to be. So this man this man was was I think special. <laughs> he was a special one. It's 3 0. And it's Alan Reeves. So you, you moved to France initially for study. So, how did that go from study to playing football, football for Nîmes? It was um, it was quite funny because the, the person who helped me to to go on trial to him is called Serge Chilon. He's, he was an old man uh, working at the, at, the, um, uh, at the council in uh, in my village in Martinique, and he was coming every every Sunday to watch me play. I was already playing in the first team in Martinique. I was 16, 17, and uh, one day around April, May. Uh, I was I was on a way to pass my A level and he come he come to my door and he spoke to my mum and he said um, is that possible for your son to go on trial to Nîmes and uh, I said who are you my my mum just said who are you sir and uh, he obviously introduced himself and um, his name is Mr Chilon play for France um, had two two caps with uh, the France national national team in the sixty in the sixties and even played against Pelé. And this man was just around the corner. No one knows him. Even I didn't know him. I didn't know he had he had that, that magnificent career for a Martinican person. And he was already, you know, he was an old man, so 50, 55, 60, 65. And he told me, I've been watching you for 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 two years now since you played in the first team, and I, I think you've got everything in you to to do something in football. So that was for when when you listen to someone uh, talking to you in that way, obviously you want to believe him. And uh, and he gave me that opportunity, and uh, because I was already that, I had that project to to um, to go and study on biology um, in Montpellier, so I said, yeah, of course, you know, I will I will keep on keep on playing football and um, and start my my university program, and that was a, the the perfect scenario for me. And um, but because you always have, have you know something in a in in the corner of your hand on your mind, uh, hoping to have an opportunity. But for me that was I was perfect because I was passionate uh, passionate with obviously by football, but also with that um, that topic that uh, subject and uh, biology. So to do two two things uh, to keep on doing uh, two things at the same time was was quite 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 uh, a challenge for me. <laughs> and how did you adapt to football from Martinique to France? Was it an easy um, process for you or was it much harder than you anticipated? 
No, it was ve- it's been very difficult. Even if uh, I've, I I went to the, the hottest place in France, Nîmes is, is basically uh, the, the hottest place in France. That's why you know it's been confirmed yesterday. <laughs> and uh, when you come from Martinique, uh, you you land in uh, you get to Montpellier Airport and you go to Nîmes and you got 35 degrees in the middle of July. You say, oh, that's magnificent. That's, that's perfect. You know, I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't change uh, much. You know, when I chose Nîmes, but after that. Uh, it's not be easy. It hasn't been easy um, to um, to be on your own and um, to have so 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 big qualities uh, in terms of uh, pace, stamina, and um, and courage. But being being um, um, uh, so weak on another department of the game. So when you're 18, 19, and you got the motivation, but not enough. Or not enough tools to to um, to uh, to show to show your qualities. It's, it's difficult. So the confidence is always a bit low when you're on your own, and uh, that's something I've been experiencing after a second time uh, when I went to England, because uh, when you you're highly motivated, you know you're not you're never gonna give up, but but uh, you're not maybe uh, uh, technically gifted enough to 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 be consistent. Uh, it's always a battle. Every day is a battle, and every t- the training session was a was a challenge for me on the finishing session, on the uh, when you have to receive balls back to back to goals. And it, it was already my problem when I just first came to Nîmes, and um, and uh, on the first two seasons, people was calling me uh, March April, Mr. March April, because uh, when you know the temperature was was going a bit a bit low, like in 15, 10 degrees. I couldn't play anymore. I was freezing, so so I was waiting for March April to 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 be a good player again. So my my partner was calling me Mr. March April. He's been calling me like that for two or three years. But um, unfortunately, you know, uh, I've be, I have that luck to to meet coaches who've been who've been aware of uh, uh, the, the, how, how sincere I was because I've never I've never really cheated on on on, on the football pitch and uh, that helped me to to you know, to convince people uh, uh, one uh, year after year month after month so it wasn't it wasn't easy at all it wasn't easy at all and uh, the, the competition was very high and um, and my my very first game I managed to play because I think they were, they had uh, a few injuries up front, um, and the, the first team coach was uh, Josip Skoblar, which is a very, very well-known uh, striker. Uh, it, it's um, I think he's got the record of uh, scored goals in the, in the French league. He was a, a, a man from Yugoslavia, Croatia. Uh, he played for Marseille in the 70s, and uh, he was the Nîmes coach. So um, to be to 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 um, to receive my first professional game. By uh, a striker, a, a, a um, former striker was like um, you know another another chance for me, another another proof of confidence. My first game, no, uh, it was against uh, Châteauroux in second division. Mm-hmm. But, but the coach, the coach was Josip Skoblar, which we who, play, who played for Marseille in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So he and uh, and this 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 man Josip Skoblar was um, he, he had the record of goals scored in the French league in the 70s. And that was uh, he, he's been my my head coach, my first team coach when I when I on my debut in at Nîmes. Well, it's an eventful couple of years for Nîmes because am I right in saying that you, you reach the uh, Coupe de France final in 1996? Yes, yes, and, yes. I was uh, yeah. And you scored an extra time winner in the on the road to uh, to the final Strasbourg yeah yeah on the quarter finals yeah on the quarter finals 
Uh, yeah, and in '96 we played the final against Auxerre. Auxerre was the, the Paris, the, the Paris Saint Germain of the, the '90s. I was, you know, they, they won all, they, they won the league on that year, and uh, they, they had some magnificent players like Laurent Blanc, uh, Sabri mm-hmm. Lamouchi, and um, and we, we 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 were in the third division with Nîmes, and uh, on the quarterfinals. Um, I played this game who really uh, uh, gave me the, 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 my professional contract. I was only, only uh, an apprentice. Uh, I didn't get the pro contract yet. I was on a bench, I think, five or ten minutes to go before the, the, the penalties. And um, and the physio, the physio said to the coach, uh, give him a chance, give Eric a chance anyway. It, it's 2-2. Two, two. Uh, in ten minutes, we play, the, we got the penalties. And and the, the coach said, no way, Eric, no, there's no chance Eric can, can score a goal on penalties. And uh, and the physio just pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. And uh, and six or seven minutes before before the end, um, you know, the coach called me, Eric, come on, try to do something. And uh, my first goal was a penalty. Uh, which I, you know, I'm not very proud of this one because uh, the keeper never touched me at that time. And uh, and the second ball, the second ball I received, I think that's a long ball um, on the back stick, and uh, my partner just headed back, and I finish. And I, I, I've literally touched two, three, or four balls in that game, and that really gave me a pro contract. And uh, and um, that that's been a lesson for me because sometimes when some kids, you know, I'm I'm training. Uh, are moaning about uh, I'm not I'm not a regular I don't play enough and I told them that my best game in my career I played eight minute eight minutes so you don't really need to play that much on a football pitch to to change things. Mm. Um, uh, what do you remember of that final um, at the Parc de Prince? I mean, like you said, Laurent Blanc's playing, um, Sabri Lamouchi, I think Taribo West played. You've got Lionel Charbonnier in, in goal, who was a part of that in France '98 team, as was Bernard. Uh, Diomede, Alan Goma played for Fulham. Loads of players, like you said, the Paris Saint-Germain of its time. Although you lost, it was a third division team taking on a first division team. It must have been an amazing uh, selection of memories that you have there. Yeah, that was that was great because um, most of the team we had a very young team uh, at Nîmes, excepting uh, Christian Perez who played for France and. Uh, um, Misha Bazdarevic, a, a Yugoslavian international, that was the, the big man and the keeper as well was 35 if I can remember. But most of the squad, we were 20, 21, 22 years old and um, and not very not very conscious about what was going on. We were very relaxed, laughing all the time. And uh, when we went to, just before playing, obviously as every squad, you go out there you want to, you know, to feel the grass, to, you know, to, to smell the atmosphere. And and uh, when we realized, when we saw that, you know, that second, uh, that stand in the Parc des Princes, the Parc des Princes completely red with with fans uh, shouting and singing Nîmes Olympique, Nîmes, Nîmes, uh, we just turned turn our back and, get, and got back to the changing room just panicking. Because usually we used to play against uh, two, three thousand, four thousand people max. And um, and two hours before kickoff, to see that twenty thousand people coming from Nîmes, uh, completely red, completely uh, shouting and enthusiastic, mad, and we said well, there's no chance we managed to play that game because that was our very first time to to um, in that sort of experience and atmosphere. And um, and obviously that was you know when you play in third division, you don't expect the sort of atmosphere. So I I'm, I've got a lot of respect for all the lads, you know, the boys playing play in the Premier League in the big leagues because to you know to forget that atmosphere, that pressure all the time, week in week out. Uh, we we didn't do too bad on that day, by the way. But um, but um, the the feeling the feeling was incredible. 
the feeling was incredible when you were, when you never felt that before. And as a result of that, you the following season got to play in the uh, the Cup Winners Cup. I loved the Cup Winners Cup when that was around. Uh, I think they're going to bring back something similar, maybe. But uh, again, for a team that was playing in the third division, another great experience. Yes, it's in history. I don't think that will that will that will happen again because now the format and how the football is organised nowadays, things like that can't happen anymore. But uh, yeah, playing the third division and uh, and to be able to to you know to to lift your 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 standard to you know to to be a better player on a on a on a first day and a, and try to be consistent that that gave us a, a good you know a good lesson a good formation we we were still developing as a, I was still developing as a player. And uh, trying to see if you are uh, if you are uh, offensive midfielder, if you play on the right, if you are centre centre forward, and to play on that, to have that standard, that, that sort of um, uh, uh, it's very demanding, very demanding, uh, very demanding. And if you if man if you manage to be a good player uh, every three days, that's mean you 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 know you you become some you become someone. And um, that's basically been my best season in as a footballer. Maybe even on a on a score sheet, I think I scored something like 15 or 16 goals. And uh, I wasn't a goal scorer, but you know, to to manage to get penalties, to be busy and score goals, I've I've done very well on that season. And I was expecting something something better after that, to maybe to to catch the, the top leagues or the top the top flights in France. And that season gives you a move to Corsica with Ayacho, yeah? Yes, yes. Uh, basically, after this season, you know, we got promoted and uh, and um, now business, you know, the, the club went back on back on business and they make that choice to, to take experienced striker. I was 22 and uh, they considered I needed a, um, a season on loan. Because I was someone, um, I'm still, I'm still the same, maybe, maybe not, but I'm someone very a wise person, someone you know, I don't, uh, don't get excited too much, and uh, maybe I lacked a bit of, um, a bit of aggressivity, a bit of, you know, um, capacity to, to, um, to, um, to be aggressive on the pitch, and uh, the gaffer, the, the manager, considered, you know, to go to Corsica, which is a special island. Uh, very special island, uh, a bit, uh, a bit, uh, a bit of Italy in France. You know, it's, very, it's an Italian uh, island, I'd say. But uh, people with pride and character, and uh, he, he thought that to go on loan out there uh, will will help me mentally, uh, which been the case because I've played you know 30, 32 games uh, mainly on the right or on the left, never really uh, in the middle of the park. You know, as a centre forward. But um, yeah, I've been um, I've been progressing well, improving. I was obviously disappointed because I knew I knew I had opportunities maybe in the top flight, maybe in the top division, and um, and not to be not not to be uh, sold, you know, not not to be sold or taken by a, a, a top club in the first division and go on loan in third division was a bit of disappointment. But in another way, that helped me to. Uh, to play more games and do, to to become a better player. Before Swindon, there was a, a season or two with Waskow, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so after after my my name spell, you know, I, I had to move on. You know, when uh, as every player, when you when you've been you've been formed at, at a football club, you you become a man, you become a person. When you leave your your former club, your your where where you've been developed, and uh, after five years in in Nimes. Um, 
I really want. I wanted to. I already wanted to go abroad because the way I was playing my football uh, in France, you know, I'm not talking about tiki taka, but the the tempo is quite low. Um, you you need three, four, five, six passes because send send before sending a ball up front. So I was uh, um, I was a bit about impassion. I wasn't maybe uh, passionate enough on the pitch, and uh, I needed to to spend energy. I was in that sort of player. And I wanted to go abroad, abroad already at 23, 24, uh, maybe to, to, to try something else. And uh, maybe a lack of confidence, maybe a, a family a family decision. And uh, I had my first uh, daughter as well. So I, I make that choice to stay in France and uh, I signed for a second division team uh, in the north of France, in Lille. So it's um, uh, uh, Lille was our Wascal, very close to Lille. And uh, I spent two good season over there. I played more right midfielder than up front. And um, it was completely different with, the, you know, the Nîmes atmosphere is a hot uh, a Roman city with, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Latin mentality. And when I was, I, I went to, to Wascal, it was completely the opposite. So I had to adjust to something completely different. How, how did you find being moved over to the right? Were, were you okay with that or would you have rather played up front? Um, when I when I I was a, a little boy, a, a young player in Martinique, I was playing as a right midfielder. So uh, to go on the right, to push and push and find, find crosses, uh, to go and help my right back, uh, that's something I used to do when I was uh, when I was uh, a young player. So when I came to France, because the way people see, uh, um, uh, it's uh, that's only my opinion, but I think in France we have a problem with, with strikers. And um, in our the way we see football, the strikers is not necessarily um, um, it's not necessarily someone who has to uh, like in England uh, the big man, a target man, someone you know who has to put a physical presence up front. Uh, it's some they, they, the, the French the French football wants uh, some elegant, some technically gifted strikers. And uh, for example, Giu Giu is not someone very very um, appreciated in France. Uh, and, and it's a, it's a wonderful centre forward. And uh, so when I when I first came to France, they told me, "Nah, you're not good enough to play to play on the right, um, to be up front. Maybe technically that's not good enough as well. So you you will be like a second striker." So that was a bit bizarre because I've been playing all the time uh, on the right hand side, and I was quite comfortable playing as a right midfielder. Uh, right or left midfielder, and um, they make that choice to to develop me as a centre forward. But uh, I lacked the, the the main thing to be able to score goals, and um, I'm not I'm not the only one. A lot of strikers are good strikers without being able to score a lot of goals. But uh, we 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 already we already were in a in a time of statistics, results, uh, figures, and uh, and the way you you've been rated now, you you everyone is rated. A centre forward is how many goals he score. So um, to be in that position, that central position, wasn't the most comfortable uh, situation for me. But um, uh, you cannot refuse to play football, not you do. So um, so there, there were many many ways to to um, to help the team. Goodwin loses out. He's onside, and this time it's five. And this time, Eric Seven doesn't miss. You said before that playing 
abroad was the goal. Was there a particular country you wanted to play in? Was it England or would you have played in Italy, Spain or, or did you have a particular favourite? Yeah, I was uh, after after Nîmes. I was very close to to sign for Cologne, in uh, in Germany, and um, and I turned it down because at at you know the last the day you know the, the agent uh, I remember the agent uh, had already talked uh, taken the, the the tickets and everything and I said no I don't I don't do it I'm not ready, and uh, when I was at Wascal I went to uh, I went to Pizza Pizza in Italy. And uh, same thing, uh, I said, mm, I don't feel comfortable, I'm, I'm not sure. And I wasn't, you know, it's all about feelings sometimes. And I've been in touch with Levante in Spain. So at that sort of period, at 23, 24. And uh, when um, I remember I was in Wascal and uh, I was uh, an agent, uh, uh, Gregory, his name was Gregor, Gregory Dakad. He came and told me, um, are you interested in England? In England? I say, why not? I don't know much about England, and um, and uh, I said, why not? And I, I never say, I never say no. So when I when I um, when I had that opportunity, uh, I, I didn't I didn't have any any trial to do because I remember Andy King came to came to Wascal, and uh, Andy King he did he did uh, what Andy King can do. <laughs> that means uh, when he came to Lille, he said to my agent, don't tell me which player I came to to watch uh, tonight. And after 10 minutes, um, um, Andy King said, is that the striker up front? And uh, the, the, the agent said, yeah. He said, OK, that's fine. That's good for me. Sign him. Because he was, he was very, he was in a rush. He, was, uh, he couldn't stay all the game because he wanted to go uh, in the bars and, and nightclubs in Lille. So he was, he was, um, he was in a rush to go out, to go out there. And uh, after the game, I called the, the agent. I said, come on, come on. What did he say? And uh, he said, "Yeah, that's fine. You signed for Swindon." I said, "Already? You sure?" And uh, I went. You know, I was quite happy. We won that that league game with Wascal, and I was with my missus and baby, little baby. And um, and uh, I see I see Andy King in a nightclub, and he told me, "Yeah, you was the king," because we were in, uh, with Puma at Wascal. We were um, our sponsor sponsorship. Well, my sponsor kit was Puma, and uh, we had uh, we had a shirt. Uh, Puma King. In fact, you remember, you remember that shit, Puma King. And uh, and uh, Andy King, I, I met him in a nightclub, and he called me, yeah, I'm King, I'm King. I said, what are you talking about? I couldn't understand English, and I couldn't speak English. And that man t- telling me, you're the King, you're the King. I said, yeah, I know, I know, I'm a good player, but not the King. And uh, and um, he was like reading my, my shirt, and I said, are you Andy King? He said, yeah, I'm the Swindon coach. But he was already very, very happy on that, you know, very late on that night. And that's the first time I saw him. And um, uh, um, I realized that man just changed my life, really. <laughs> there, there is um, a bit of a legend about that scouting trip that you mentioned. The rumor was that potentially he got his squad numbers confused because he always used to say it was the uh, Wascal number nine. Uh, which I think was Aziz and Kalchaf, but you wore the number twenty-two. Were you def- yeah. were you definitely the man? Yeah, I was the number twenty-two. <laughs> because I was, I, I'm born in twenty-second of August. I remember Waskal. I was number twenty-two, but maybe he said number nine, uh, talking about the striker, mm. or maybe he made that mistake, and so that was the best <laughs> mistake he made in his life. <laughs> uh, you know, where well, from from where he is now, you know, um, hopefully I I want to tell him uh, thank you again because if uh, if he made that mistake, I mean he's been a good a good coach. You know? he's, he's allowed to make a mistake sometimes. So. Of course he was. Of course he was. Um, um, one thing I've got to say, though, I mean, you you were close to joining some seriously 
better standard of clubs in Cologne and Levante. Levante were probably um, the second division, Spain and Cologne were always between like the Bundesliga and the uh, the, the division below. Um, what what did you know about Swindon Town before you turned up? Absolutely nothing. Mm. Nothing, and um, and when I first, you know, when I made that decision, I wanted to leave France because I, I was uh, I had six seasons already, six seasons in a, in third, second division, and I couldn't see myself do another six season or seven seasons because I always saw myself. Um, uh, for me, football was a was a way to discover things. Um, obviously, if you make money, you're happy. But after football, I, I, at 25, I knew already that it wasn't something forever. And I wasn't, I wasn't um, uh, initially. Uh, that was obviously a dream when I was a kid. But um, if I, had, if I had become like um, I don't know, a, a biologist or architect or something, I would have been happy as well still. So um, when I went to, when I say yes to Swindon, I said yeah, that's a discovery. And uh, I remember I took my my car. And um, uh, run. Uh, I mean, um, drove drove through the channel. And when I got to Foxton, I said, "Hey, I am. So uh, where I'm going now? Swindon? Because mm-hmm. obviously there's no GPS, there's no nat- uh, navigation. So I bought, you know, I bought on a, a big, big, big map. Try to find Swindon on a map. <laughs> and I said, if I'm lucky, you know, if if I'm lucky, you know, I, I will get there. Otherwise, I will take another three, four days to get to Swindon because I don't know where it is. So uh, obviously, when you play in second division uh, in League League One, the agent he ain't got enough money or enough uh, commission uh, uh, to go to 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 take you a plane and and bring you to to the place with uh, uh, everyone coming to to pick you up. So you have to do it on your own. So that was a bit weird. But um, I just I just knew that was my new destiny. But um, uh, where is Swindon? What is Swindon's history? I didn't know nothing. I, I didn't know anything about it, about the place. In regards to the place, as opposed to the football club, how did you find living in that sleepy railway town of Swindon? Yeah, I, I would say that that was um, something quite perfect for me because I was a bit sloppy and uh, I was somewhat very quiet. And um, I remember my family, we have been living in, um, was it Abbey Meads? Yeah, Abbey Meads, I think that was the name of the, the place where we were. I was uh, very quiet and um, uh, that, the, the size, the type of size of city I really liked, the 100, 150,000 people living. Uh, not not too difficult to find uh, the different places, places to eat, places to buy things, and um, after you know I've, I'm very curious and open-minded, so I very quickly I went to Bristol, I come back to London, and uh, as a Caribbean person, I really discovered a country who suited suit, suited me uh, better than France. And I, I very quickly felt comfortable uh, in England, generally speaking. But uh, Swindon was that was um, that was to be fair perfect for me because I'm uh, I'm still you know I'm still a, a big big um, I, I'm not comfortable to communicate all the publicity all the sort of things. So um, I remember when I was uh, the, on the first on the first day I, I was tell, telling myself, let's say if I'm man of the match, what 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 will I do to the people to the journalists? And I just wanted to play my games and go back home and watch TV. And so I, I, London, if I had been at London, Liverpool, Manchester, uh, I, I'm not sure it would it would have been better for someone like me. Football-wise, who helped you settle into the club in those early 
days and months? Um, the first person was uh, Juan Cobian. Mm. And um, the first reason was uh, I couldn't say uh, much, much uh, in English. Um, I couldn't understand very well uh, neither. So uh, when uh, and uh, when you from abroad, the person you manage to understand better is someone uh, um, coming from abroad as well, because of his, um, the Scottish accent, maybe the Cockney accent, or <laughs> the, all that stuff. You know, you have to to understand the accent after the word. And I remember one day, Matty Hewlett, he asked me about. 20 times can you take me some water please and i couldn't understand and he just he maybe for on that day is the, the thickest person i've met in my life because i couldn't understand why he was asking me it was just a bottle of water so from from swindon maybe to colchester you know it's been waiting for water for a good half an hour before i i understand but it's, it's a part of the thing the part of the the way to understand uh, to to learn to learn a language and uh, i'm now a big supporter of uh, of uh, traveling, moving, and discovering places, and and uh, learning languages by going to places, not 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 in classroom, because that's that's how I've been learning English, and uh, yeah, Juan been been a big big uh, asset for me, and he's a good person as well, uh, and after Danny, Danny Invincible, and when uh, uh, Sam Parkin came as well, Sam uh, his his dad was uh, living in France. And uh, Sam is a wonderful person, super superman, and um, and uh, his missus were living in London. Someone very open-minded as well, and uh, his dad. So he was uh, naturally uh, orientated. He came to me, told me yeah, if you need anything, and uh, and I needed I needed a lot of things. So <laughs> so uh, yeah, even to open my my gas gas contract, my electricity contract, my you know to find insurances to for everything. Everything was difficult. So when on top of that you have to be good on a pitch because people say you will use a new Thierry Henry, so you got you got another challenge on a Saturday again. <laughs> but I, I, I had so many challenges on a week already, so this one wasn't too wasn't too difficult to uh, to do. But uh, yeah, those those lads you know they helped me. But um, I've been lucky to to be in that squad you know because those, those boys been very very open and. Uh, and um, the way you know Andy King was always saying, uh, make him feel welcome. Uh, I, I understand now what what, what that, that means. You're mentioning friends of this podcast because uh, I've spoke to Sam. I also talked to Juan as well, who was a lovely guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's uh, you know some those people. I don't, I, don't, I, I even you know think if the sort of person. Uh, uh, could could um, outlive in 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 the football of today. So, you know nowadays the football changed so 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 much, and because um, those people those person was really good person, maybe too good to play to to be in that business in that industry. Uh, because I I didn't even obviously there there there, there were some competitions. Uh, four or five strikers to uh, for two places the same same stories but uh, Giuliano Gazzioli we, we we were very close and he was even he was he was advising me telling me Eric, if you score goals you're gonna find another club you got great quality and I was uh, I was playing the same position as him so um, those people was just you know normal people I'd say but very good persons you mentioned something before which we have to talk about it's one of the things that you're you're probably best remembered by Swindon fans. And that's, of course, Andy King's comparison to you with Thierry Henry. Was that a problem for you at the time? Because that's a big comparison. 
Yeah, that's huge. But um, the the advantage when you don't know a language, that's when you don't understand what's going on. So, <laughs> so, so when uh, when I realized that's what he told me. But uh, even in France already, and uh, and Nigerian, we I think he's born in '77 or something. So we maybe two or three years difference. And I used to play against him uh, on friendlies Monaco against Nîmes. So um, and same for Nicolas Anelka. Those sort of uh, players. Uh, from French West Indies, but uh, the difference with uh, between of Thierry Henry and, and uh, Eric Sabin is uh, my my mom. We we born in Paris. I born in Paris as well, and uh, all those you know generation of of person uh, in the seventies who immigrated to to Paris, uh, the Guadeloupe people from Guadeloupe from Martinique, and uh, the kids, so people like us, Henry, Anelka, me, myself, and uh, so many so many. Uh, a West Indian originally um, a person. We born in Paris, and uh, Paris is uh, the, the the heart of football in terms of development, competition, uh, um, ruthless, and everything. So when you when you born in Paris and you grew up in Paris, you develop that sort of um, uh, aggressivity, capacity to adjust the winter, uh, the winter, and everything. And uh, the difference between uh, Thierry Henry with his talent, his pace. He's uh, six foot two, uh, everything. But he's, he lives in he lived in Paris. He developed in Paris, and he went to Monaco after. But someone like me, my missus, my missus, it's uh, my my mom, my mother. Uh, she 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 went back to Martinique, and I was uh, four five years old. She decided to come back to his to his country, and I and I grew up in Martinique, which is completely different. And someone like Thierry is not a West Indian person. He's a he's a someone. Uh, born in Paris, grew up in Paris with um, an American orientated uh, mentality. So that's when, in terms of confidence, in terms of development, and um, and what you learn in the in a in a soccer school is completely different. Because I I, I didn't I didn't I, I received no education in terms of football. So the comparison was like was only because his uh, his parents are from uh, Martinique and Guadeloupe he's six foot one six foot two maybe I'm six foot one six foot two maybe and uh, I'm I was very quick but uh, mm-hmm. a part of that uh, there's um, it's it's not you know there's there's no it doesn't make sense to be the sort of thing but uh, at that time on the time I wasn't I wasn't aware of that so my only my only concern was uh, I need to score goal. I need to win penalties. I need to be handful for the team, and uh, to um, to give back what you know the, the, the coaches gave me. So the, I did. I never really felt that pressure on my shoulder. It's four-one. Matt Hewlett defending was awful. Absolutely awful. You arrived at Swindon Town during a period of, you know, it's not the greatest era for Swindon behind the scenes in the boardroom. Um, and very, very early into your Swindon career, your manager, the man who, the Puma King himself, um, yes. Andy King, um, he he is forced out and Roy Evans and Neil Ruddock come in. What do you remember of that? Yeah, yeah, very well. And I was a, I was in a panic situation when I called my agent. I said, well, what can I do? He said, yeah, but you got your contract. Just stay there and uh, and um, and dig in. And I, you know, I told myself, you know, it's very, very hard for me to cope with those things. And, um, and uh, when Roy Evans first came, 
um, it's been it's been a gentleman to be fair, and uh, some very very calm, uh, uh, trying to find the right words the right words for me. And uh, you 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 could I could I could feel feel someone who who's been who's been uh, dealing with uh, players from abroad already. Because I knew, I knew his reputation. I knew why, why I was, you know, document very well documented. And I, I'm a passionate of football, so I read things. I, I want to know who I'm talking to. And um, when Roy Evans first came, I said, yeah, it's a, it's a chance to be, you know, to be uh, bossed by uh, someone like him. And I remember when after five or six games, I do my, uh, my ligament, uh, I had an injury on, on, my, on a knee, on a left knee. And uh, I said, no, I'm not lucky at all, you know, after one month. And I start not too bad, I started not too bad. And um, that was um, September 2001. So everyone knows what happened at that time. And uh, he told me, uh, and, and I wanted to go back. I wanted, I didn't want to stay at Swindon for the surgery, for everything, for the physio. And he told me, listen, the best way for you to to recover is to go back home, forget about football, go back to your people, uh, take the time you want, and come back when you're ready. And I was that was the first time someone was like dealing with a, an injury or someone who's who has to uh, come back as quick as he he, he can. To, to show you know to to show he's, he's a good player, so I think he's been very intelligent with me, and uh, I always you know I had my chance. He didn't he didn't do did, he didn't do things like uh, he's not my player. I'm not gonna play him. And so um, yeah, that was I wasn't so negative for me in terms of uh, changes and um, and um, and scenarios. Roy Evans was a remarkable appointment for Swindon and for us. We couldn't believe it because. I mean, this guy had, had managed Liverpool just a couple of years. The only other team he ever managed in his career was Liverpool. Um, did he improve the squad or did he find it quite tough? Because that's quite a decrease in in ability that he was working with at Swindon. Yeah, I think he was um, he wasn't as enthusiastic uh, as Andy King. So they're two different persons. But his capacity to, if I can remember, his capacity to analyse things... Uh, to say the, the right things and, and to keep everyone to keep everyone uh, um, um, focused and um, and concerned was was quite high uh, and um, I remember yeah we because we we struggled on the start of the season and uh, and after we managed to I remember we won a game at Reading um, at Reading yeah at Reading I was injured but I remember we did very well at on that time. And uh, so he, he gave us off. Uh, he, he pushed the team in terms of confidence. Mentally, we be, we became a, a better, a better, a better team. And uh, that, and it's always interesting to see uh, those sort of big managers who, who accept to to go down division and to give to people maybe not even not not as talented as as the one he, he used he used to be training uh, the, the same advices. Because if you if you give the same advice to someone like Elagi for I don't know who was were playing at that time at Liverpool, but uh, that's not the same thing you say to Eric Sabin, because maybe Eric Sabin is not gonna be able to do the same trick or the same control on a move or the same cross. So he, he managed to adapt his his his, his uh, the, the way he was talking uh, for us to to keep that confidence high and the confidence was low at that time. So. Um, it's always interesting to uh, to see. I don't know if it was a, a question of friendship or a promise or or maybe money, but um, to to do that, it's, it's always risky. He's got nothing to win. He's got everything to lose in the sort of um, a decision for him. 
So, so fair play to him. He's, you know, that's been that's been huge for us as as a player to to uh, deal with person like that. And uh, and I remember he being very intelligent the way he, the way he made that transition. That win against Reading was amazing. Grazioli, Invincible, and Kafour at the end. That, yeah. It was a very surprising win. <laughs> yeah, it was three one. Yeah, because Reading was doing very well at that time. Yeah. Reading was a very strong team at that time, yeah. How challenging did you find English football to start with? So, um, very quickly, I realised I was in a different world <laughs> because we played. We played usually when I was in England, we in France, on a on a on a goal kick. You know, the keeper just kicking a ball. My first concern was I wanted to do a shinola all the time in front in second division. I was trying to to fill my defender. And uh, have a nice and, and nice a nice jump, chest the ball, put it on the floor, turn, and make my run. I was managed to I was managing to do that uh, three, four, five times in a game easily in, in second division in France. And um, on the very first game I play uh, with uh, Swindon, I was a friendly against Tottenham, and um, on a goal kick. So I'm on the same process. You know, I just try to feel my defender, but I can't feel it. I don't know where he is. So I said, I ah, never mind. I do my jump, and I, when I come to jump to chest it, I just uh, felt something very, very violent in my on my neck, <laughs> and uh, the ball was uh, went back to went back to back grimming hands, and um, and my face was on the floor. So I said, uh, and uh, Andy King told me, don't never. Mm, I don't want to say big words, but he told me, don't never, don't never chest the ball again. Just flick it and run. I say, but what? Why? He told me, come again, come again, come again. And he just, just speaks slowly for me to understand because I, I'm just, you know, a softy French. And uh, so he told me just to flick the ball, never chest it. You're not big enough. Flick it and run. And I realized that was a completely different world, completely different football. And even until the end, when I went back to France, uh, I played a, another two seasons in third division. And I was so easy when I was playing. I, I think I was training once a week and um, playing in third division, which is like the League One in, in England. But the tempo was so low, the contact, the, 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 everything was slower in, in France. So that was a massive change, and uh, and uh, it still for me is a way to rate a player. If he can play in England, he can play anywhere. There seemed to be a formula at the start um, or throughout your Swindon career, which you've alluded to in one of your uh, objectives playing for Swindon, and that was to win penalties. So especially early on, there was the uh, Sabin goes down and Keith O'Hanlon or Andy Gurney put the penalty away. Some would yeah. say that you would have went to ground a little easily. Um, yeah, but you know that's uh, anyone who, who's, who's you know I, I I will be a bit arrogant on this one, but uh, anyone any any quick player knows that um, uh, when you when you when when you're very quick, any any move, any push, any touch, any any contact just uh, make you lose your balance. So after you have the choice to try to get your balance back or to protect yourself and go go on the floor, so most so maybe I, I always took the same decision. I didn't I haven't I haven't been uh, very original maybe on my choices, but uh, 
but um, it's uh, yeah some some uh, qualified people could could explain that better than me but uh, sometimes i reckon <laughs> i should i could have kept, kept my balance could have kept my balance a bit more but um, you know maybe on a, on a, on my consciousness uh, because i i knew i wasn't i wasn't uh, good enough in front of goal sometimes i was making that choice to go on the floor go, go to the floor and waiting for maybe the touch or the push or uh, try to find a wider position to be able to cross instead of maybe take my chance and mm-hmm. um and that's that's something i i feel obviously after but um i think 90% now 90% of the time uh, the penalty was uh, obvious was uh, and uh, if now we had the VAR maybe the VAR could have confirmed what I was thinking but uh, I was maybe 20 years uh, two minutes in advance with the technology but uh, and because the technology wasn't there you know I just you know take the most of it you know the referee is too, out too slow and uh, there's no chance to come back on the decision so yeah that was the right decision on the way on the day <laughs> Hey I'm one of those people if it's not bad when it's on my team but uh, if it's the other way around, I'm furious, of course. Andy King came back. Two questions, really, in relation to Andy King. It's a broad, big question. One, were you happy when he came back? And two, what, what were your memories and what was your relationship like with Andy King throughout your Swindon career? Um, yeah, a special one because uh, a special relationship because he he's, he was very he was he had some humanity with me because he knew uh, he he realized uh, things were, was difficult for me um, and he knew uh, he, he was expecting a goal scorer definitely a goal scorer and uh, if I if I was good enough to score twenty goals I think I would have been a, a one a superb player with what I was able to do on the other department of the other aspect of that position of striker but um uh, he was a bit frustrated for me and sometimes uh, uh um, sometimes he had to he, he told me once um uh, eric i will i will uh, shout after you but very hard in front of the lad because uh, if i if i protect you too much you know for in a changing room that it will be that things won't will be wrong for you so he didn't want the the, the, the lad to to think that uh, Eric is overprotected. Uh, he, he likes Eric too much. Uh, so he, sometimes he had to find me. Sometimes you know I, I forgot my tie. You know I didn't I didn't you know didn't understand. I couldn't understand why you have to put a tie to go to the football match. So he told me Eric, I know you do, you you don't uh, you don't get used to that. But uh, I will find you. I will say in front of everyone. I will find you. So he went to the changing room saying, "Fucking okay, Eric." Where's your tie? You got fine. You he was abusing me and everything, but I knew he was gonna do it. So I said, okay, Gaffa, okay. But um, that, so that was a bit special, and he's been protecting me. But um, I think uh, uh, in another way, you know, I didn't. Um, uh, I remember I scored a goal. He was under massive pressure, and I, I I wasn't scoring much. And on that game, I scored a goal, and we drew or we won. And people say Eric saved uh, Andy King's head. <laughs> so <laughs> if I managed to do so once, because I know he saved my my head plenty of times. So the relationship was special because he he brought me to to England and uh, on a perfect scenario I would have I would have I would love to you know to score that 20 20 goals per season because uh, it would be a great confirmation that uh, he had he made a good choice but I think he made a good choice because I was I was made to play in England but maybe I came too 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 late because if I come to that country at 22 years old maybe it's a story completely different but uh, because I I stayed in a country for another 5 6 years and uh, that's not so so common and usual for foreigners, because some of the French players they stay one season, two season, and they and they 
they don't manage to do it after to stay. So I don't. I think he's, he's done right with me, and it's been very protecting, but protective. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. The first season you were at Swindon, there were loads of characters in that changing room. You had Andy Gurney, Neil Ruddock, Matt Hayward, um, you had Bobby Howe as well. What do you remember of that first season? Yeah, that was... Um... Personally speaking, you know, I was I was getting on very well with everyone. I remember once uh, Andy Andy Gurney was a bit upset because I'm probably I missed another easy chance or something, so he was mounting after me. But um, people, when you're very a very calm person, you don't very good at uh, being rude. So when I got rude, <laughs> things uh, you know things very negative happened. But um, yeah, I think the the balance the balance in the squad was quite good and um and uh, i didn't really felt that also bad atmosphere at all even if you know i felt that some some of the lads were getting very well uh, uh the foreigners i'd say you know i was very close to juan corbian we are living in the same area uh dan invincible as well i was close to him sam so um uh, obviously it, we we didn't get a, a perfect togetherness a, per, a perfect you know atmosphere but the little group were you know some groups the groups of the gurneys i'd say with uh, matt Hewlett, uh wells um uh that's scottish players he had a long flow uh, david duke david duke yeah duke uh, those players was you know uh, staying together and uh, so a lot of little groups uh, the loan is as well they were coming and coming and uh, for a period of time so not very um, involved but uh, in terms of characters I didn't uh, excepting sometimes girls in girls who you know had to express that that sort of frustration he had against me because I couldn't score goals enough in in, in his opinion, and uh, so I, I was managing to to uh, you know stay strong mentally and uh, not to not to turn turn my back to those things. But um, generally speaking, I think I think uh, the the squad was was a good squad in terms of uh, uh, people. I mean, throughout your Swindon career, as you said, uh, Gurney wasn't happy with you because you scored, I think, nine goals in all competitions over your two seasons. Um, do you remember any of them? Do you do you remember or do you remember the first or was there a particular one that stands out? Um, I remember one against uh, Colchester, I think, uh, at home. Because uh, for once, you know, I took my time. I was quite relaxed. And uh, I remember another one at, uh, away at Colchester as well. Maybe I've been lucky with Colchester. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I should have played, him a bit, played them a bit more, maybe. And uh, yeah, I remember once at Col- against Colchester at home. And it's been a bit of relief for me. But uh, technically, it was quite well realized. Uh, um, and um, because the, the way I was, I was playing... Uh, I, I need I needed to 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 make runs. I needed to 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 uh, be you know generous on the effort. So um, uh, sometimes when you are striker, you think about scoring. You have to hide a bit. You have to wait for and and keep that sort of um, uh, uh, quietness in in you. But um, that's not something I was thinking of doing at all. I wanted to to uh, repeat effort. I want I wanted to. To see how long the, the defender can resist, can follow me. That I was more in that sort of uh, 
frame of mind. So, um, but yeah, the one, the one, um, the one against uh, yeah Colchester at home. I remember I scored a, that's quite a nice goal, unusual for me. Uh, for you know, after a bounce, I wait for the ball to come to come down to to hit it. So yeah, some little pleasure sometimes. Uh, you know, ice on the cake. <laughs> <laughs> and you won a you won a penalty against Colchester as well. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like this for club. <laughs> Wish we played them every week, like you said. <laughs> Any other memories that stand out from your time at Swindon? Well, I would say Swindon is um, is where I become I became a man, a man. But uh, I, I won't say uh, in obviously the, the county ground, the magic roundabout, a lot of things uh, out out outside football. I remember a lot of things outside football when I when I think of Swindon. And um, even if maybe people see Swindon as a boring place, but I really I came back one one or twice uh, to watch a game or maybe to uh, see some friends. And the magic one about uh, the the time I took the first time I went to Asda because I couldn't find anything to buy because I say what that country there's no there's no fromage there is no pasta there's nothing nothing I like so so many so many um, uh, things outside football. And uh, as well, the, the first we went to a camp. Um, we went to a camp in the south of England, um, uh, a training camp uh, in August, early in August. And uh, when I went back, I had a, a little strain on my on my thigh. And um, Andy King stopped us in a, on a on a on a pub, and he told me uh, what you have to do for your for your injury. You have to you have to drink a Guinness. I said sorry. I said, yeah, but you're injured before for your fight for your injury. You have to to drink a Guinness, and uh, and um, I couldn't understand why he was uh, advising me to to drink some beers to 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 get some relief on my fight. But uh, <laughs> that's an habit I I I, I quickly forgot and uh, I gave up. But um, um, yes, yeah, the, the, that that's that's the place where I really became a man. I'd say. Could you have stayed at Swindon beyond 2003? Uh, that's why I wanted to, yeah, um, because um, I, I really thought if uh, the club had, had taken a proper goal scorer or another one, if Sam uh, was ready to stay, uh, I think I, I was uh, I had enough quality to 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 um, to bring my contribution, not by scoring 20 goals, but by uh, being the third striker or maybe the second striker, uh, I really wanted to stay because I, I found a stability in the, in Swindon. And uh, when you've been moving and uh, people don't really give you the confidence you think you deserve. And uh, even if I, I didn't perform in terms of statistics, but I had that feeling that people didn't hate me. Uh, the, the fans f- uh, felt that I was like an honest, honest player in terms of uh, uh, um, uh, using uh, with the shirt, you know, being part of the shirt, and um, and uh, the place was uh, the place was quite uh, not far from uh, ev- everything, and um, I think I was uh, uh, my my story with the club uh, wasn't 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 uh, wasn't finished yet, so I was a bit disappointed to um, to be to be told that. Uh, Maybe, maybe uh, I wasn't. If I can remember, it was something like between QPR wanted me because I have been very good. We play against QPR, and I really, you know, I play against Danny Shitu, and that's a story Jan Holloway told me after, and he told me I've been one of the one one of the rare uh, striker who took a ball, won a challenge against a, a Danny Shitu. He said, you know, I mean, we need to take that player. 
because he's, he's jumping very high, you know, he, he's spacey and you know, had some qualities he, he likes for, for, you know, for a squad player. And uh, and I, I felt that I was, I was going to be a squad player at QPR and I, I would prefer to stay at, at, at Swindon to, to keep on keep on playing uh, as, 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 as more as I could. So it, it was between like a, a pride to, to sign for a big club and a disappointment uh, that um, maybe the board or maybe the, the GAFA for uh, my my story my my, my story was was uh, was um, was uh, on, on his end. It was a, a mixed feeling, a bit mixed feeling. Parking one nil Swindon Town thoroughly deserved opening goal. We get a big move. They may have been in League One, but Queens Park Rangers is a was a huge club. Uh, for that level at that time um, didn't go to plan I would say for you but you must have been very proud that you managed to achieve that move yeah yeah so because uh, the, the thing is um, the, the player was you know had some huge qualities and I had some huge bad bad side on my game so um, but on, on a day I was I was uh, good enough to take any 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 defenders at any level um uh, on just on one run i could i could change a game so so any any coach who can see that and um uh, can maybe could on a decision on a day say is that can can help any 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 squad maybe for 15 games 20 games maybe 30 games maybe 40 if he's lucky if he score goals so I'm, i wasn't very surprised that um, that you know some clubs some big clubs could come for me uh, even in france because i played against so many defenders and i saw i saw strikers i played in nims with strikers who played after that, I played in league in the top league uh, all their careers, and they 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 weren't better strikers than me. Not necessarily, you know, with the quality you required to play at that position. So even if I think honestly, I I wasn't deserving to sign for a club like that, but it wasn't a surprise for me because, uh, uh, accepted Paul Furlong, let's say at QPR. I I I know that no no other strikers were better than me in that in that squad. So um, so it was a big move. Uh, the, the, when you when you sign for a big club, you say okay, yeah, that's fine. But after you're always on the same challenge, on the same idea to say I want to I want to nick a place, I want to play games, I want to be a regular. So you you quickly forget about uh, which club you you signed for to to uh, you know to jump on a, on a challenge. But uh, but to be fair, you know the atmosphere. I've been impressed more by the atmosphere than the, the club itself. But the atmosphere was. Was just incredible. It's a, it's, it's remind me what what I saw uh, a few years before on the French Cup final when I went to the Parc des Princes because it's the same type of, of stadium, very close mm-hmm. stadium with a big noise, and uh, it was that was just crazy. Sometimes you couldn't hear someone a few yards from you because it's no so noisy. So so yeah, happy yes. But uh, always on a challenge, and uh, I don't think it was a too big challenge for me because I was I knew I had some some quality, you know, uh, some some huge quality when uh, as a player. QPR, of course, is Sam Parkin's favourite club. Uh, was he was he jealous? <laughs> yeah, definitely. He told me you're a lucky man, and I said, yeah, I give you my shot. Don't worry, pal. Don't worry. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was, uh, and he told me once, you know, he wasn't. He, he, I was, it would have been difficult for him to play for QPR because he was a, a, a huge fan of QPR. That's what he told me once. 
because uh yeah so i can I, that's something that when you from france for different country you, you don't really understand that sort of things but in england the passion is so high and uh, and you you go to a club so early in your in your age early age so uh, i couldn't understand what he was saying because yeah you play for a club end of story say no I, I couldn't maybe couldn't play for this club because uh, uh the, 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 um, you would have been too excited and um too, too, too sensible about sensitive about it so yeah, we've been laughing about it when I signed for the club, and uh, but I didn't give him any shirt. I didn't play didn't play enough games to to, uh, <laughs> to get a shirt. <laughs> it was the only time you came back to Swindon as a player as well. You played for QPR in a one-one draw. I think you played the first half. Um, what's it like as a former player going back to play against your old club? Very yeah, very difficult. Um, and uh, people, you know, think. Because uh, usually you say a striker can't be intelligent. When you play in that in some position on a pitch, don't be too clever. And uh, I was someone who, who liked to think, to analyze, to think before, think after. And uh, that's happened to me plenty of times. And I've, I can't remember I've been good against my 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 previous my old old team. And uh, because you want to show, you want to have that's obvious obvious feelings. Anyone can can uh, can guess what you feel. But uh, on that game, maybe I wanted to. I wanted to show. I want. Uh, no, I want. I was a good player. And even if you, you know, the reputation is what people think about you. But your your consciousness is what you think about yourself. And sometimes we we mix the sort of things. We want we want the reputation to be high, but it's not it's not so important at the end of the day. But uh, on that day, I I, I didn't. Uh, I was not relaxed enough to to. Uh, to um, to show things and uh, it's a double it's a double frustration you know to be average on a pitch and um, and to leave you know to leave the pitch after 45 minutes so yeah not a big memory not a nice memory well after QPR you joined Northampton Town I'm always looking for Swindon links and I find a couple because you played alongside Paul Trollope whose dad is a, a legend of Swindon and he started his career himself at Swindon and, and the centre forward who's just left us Mark Richards was also there yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, Mark, Mark. Um, obviously, we we met uh, at at Northampton. He was only a young striker, but um, uh, had some good. Uh, to be fair, that's that's where I've been. The um, I've really been very. I've I've been very good at Northampton Town uh, because maybe thanks to the experience, the experience I had at at Swindon and QPR. And uh, so I became like an English player. I was more an English player, like uh, as than a, a French player playing in England. And um, the language, uh, the habits, um, everything was was in now after two, three years. So um, Northampton has been a very good spell for me. And um, and Paul Trollope, that was the first first keeper when I first came on loan from QPR. And after Rico, uh, we played fun together. And uh, our qualities, we are very complementary. Because uh, Rico can score goals, and uh, he was he was already very strong, uh, very confident, relaxed in front of goal, and I had that capacity to create spaces for him and uh, to uh, so yeah we did very well together, and uh, with Colin Calderwood and uh, I spent yeah near, nearly one eighteen months uh, eighteen months at, at Northampton, and uh, I think that's where I've been uh, I've been that's my best spell in England. I'm glad you mentioned Colin Calderwood because, of course, another Swindon Town legend. He was next question on my list. Um, one of the greatest players I ever saw play for Swindon. What was he like as a manager? 
Yeah, um, if I, uh, I'm, hopefully he's not gonna hear that, he's not gonna listen to that podcast. But I think he's one of the best coach uh, I've been, I've been uh, in contact with, but maybe not the the best manager. And uh, and uh, once you know, after one season, I remember I've I've done very well at Swind at Northampton, and uh, uh, I've been pushed on a bench by, because they took another striker. But I was confident because sometimes I, I was telling myself if they took someone less good than you to replace you, that's the best news you can have. That that means you're gonna come back to the pitch. And uh, I was uh, they took an Irish lad, a good lad, very good lad, nice nice boy. But um, goal scorer, but not very, you know, not very, not better than me, to to talk uh, simply. And at the end of the season, uh, Colin came to me and he said, uh, "I apologize. Uh, I think I made a mistake. Um, uh, I think you should have played. You should have been on the pitch. And uh, if I had made a decision to play, you maybe you we we, we would uh, get promoted." And I've been not shocked, but yeah, shocked and surprised. And I told myself, a manager can't say that to a player because uh, it, it's it's huge. I think it's huge. You know, I'm now I'm not a player anymore, but I'm I'm a I'm a coach. I'm coaching kids, and uh, to apologize to say sorry to a player, I think that was huge as a person. But um, but not that not 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 that you know a good idea as a manager. But in terms of training sessions. Uh, capacity to to develop players at any age. That's one of the best I've seen. And uh, after that, I went to see him at Nottingham Forest, and that's someone I would love to get in touch with again. Sometimes I send him some texts or stuff. But a uh, uh, good person, him and uh, and Kurz, you know, he's um, he was the assistant coach Kurz. Two two good lad. He played for Swindon as well. Three times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great man. Yeah. So that's why I've been very lucky in the, with the person I've, I've met, um, the coaches, managers, because uh, uh, in terms of humanity, uh, even Jan Holloway, even if he was a bit, you know, he was a bit mad, but uh, I was special people and uh, and good persons. And um, and Colin was, was, has, been, uh, has been very positive with me. And uh, accepting that that idea I've got maybe after so he was uh, to manage to manage people to be to be a um, to be a chef. Uh, I'm not I'm not convinced he I'm not convinced he was uh, in the position he, he he preferred. For about three years, David Kerslake was the best right back outside of the top flight in England. He was amazing, yeah. and he and he was he he was in the team of the year. Three years in a row, so he was he was the best right back outside the football league as voted by um, the legal footballers themselves. Um, yeah, I, I guess I overlooked Ian Holloway. He's, um, I think, he's inspirational. And um, now, if I, you know, I'm I'm co- I'm coaching, I'm developing players uh, nowadays. Today, I'm developing young players from all over the world, really, to come to my academies, they sign for clubs. And uh, when I talk to them about coaches, I always mention Jan Way, Colin Calderwood, and uh, and Andy King, and because those people, uh, Jan Way has a talent to to express uh, what is uh, how to to describe and express the word confidence. And uh, he had so many so many manners uh, to 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 explain that word, which is a, a key word in football, confidence. Uh, by showing things, doing things, 
even on an ice bath, he can use an ice bath to explain the confidence, he can, uh, the courage to have. Uh, he was uh, explaining me while Paul Furlong was doing finishing session after everyone at 11.30 instead of going for a meal uh, at 35. Why is he still the best striker in the squad? Because he was working harder than people. So he was... So everyone can talk about, can motivate these players, but, but to explain and convince someone to to go out there to do the job with the confidence, I was a real talent. It's a, I was really impressed, really impressed. And I can say, I can easily say that because he didn't play me much, but um, but the way he was explaining things, uh, with his, he was uh, even talking about his family, his personal personal problems and everything, mixing all those things to to um, to to push you to the end, push you to do what he wants you to do. So. Um, yeah, that was a proper experience. I think he should have. He should go to to companies to to um, develop, take money, and develop this sort of practice how, how to explain things. Richie again. It's nicely worked, and it's chipped in. Um, after Northampton, you went and did something, well, it's considered a sin with Swindon fans. Um, <laughs> um, you, you played against them for Swindon in the FA Cup. It's where our treacherous run against a certain team started, and we, we still haven't beaten them since then. Um, we beat them in the, on a penalty shootout in the Checker Trade Trophy, but that really counts as a draw. Um, but it, it's more of a positive for us, but we still haven't beaten them in the league. We didn't play them that much. But anyway, I'm beating around the bush here. You joined Oxford, Eric. Why did you join Oxford? Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's. Um, that's what I was saying just before. Um, I, I, when I was at Swin at Northampton, I was um, very comfortable. Uh, Northampton looks like Swindon, and uh, maybe as a foreigner, maybe you you will tell me I'm wrong, but uh, those both both places are very similar. Um, an hour from London, uh, they had the same shirt for a long time with nationwide red and uh, yeah, so sort of same colours and and I was very uncomfortable at Northampton. Uh, I was playing well, scoring goals for once. Uh, everything was quite positive, and uh, I remember we played a game against QPR. Uh, we won, we win that game, and uh, we on a on a Tuesday night, on a Tuesday night, 34th August, and uh, yeah, scored. And um, the the gaffer told me, yeah, well done, Eric. The all and as usual, you know, I've got some cheerings from the squad, from the the, the fans. And I gained back home. I've been going to restaurant with uh, Mrs. and kids. And uh, I go back home on a Wednesday morning, 31st of August. Uh, I got a call from Colin. He told me, Eric, you're on the transfer list. Uh, we cannot keep you anymore. Uh, we we call, we took you. I mean, you're, you're on the transfer list. I said, what? He said, well, come. You know, who's, who's going to play up front then? So he told me now, nah, but we got different different uh, objectives. Uh, mm. We will go with uh, different people. So that was a nine o'clock in the morning on a day off, and um, after that, um, 
I was on a way, I was 31, 30, 31. So when you look for stability, even if you're a footballer, but you don't want to move too much, uh, the kids, go, the little kids going, uh, uh, going to school uh, uh, next, uh, on the next door. And uh, nine o'clock, so Colin tells me, yeah, try to find a solution. We're on the last day on the, on the transfer deadline. And, I, and uh, on, the two, on the next, next couple of hours, Colchester called me. Um, uh, Doncaster called me. Uh, who else? Uh, Oxford called me. And I said, what am I doing now? What's, what's going to happen to me? I just, you know, registered the kids on the school. I don't want to leave. I want to stay there. And I turn, I think and think and think. And just before midday, uh, I was a bit upset, to be fair, because that's not something you expected. Because uh, I really thought I was, a good, I was a, an important player, an important player in the squad. And, um, and I've, I, had a, I had a family decision to take. Because if I sign for, let's say, Doncaster or Chester or Colchester, it's a, it's a good move. It's a, you have, it's, a, it's a big move, a good move, I don't know, but a big move. You have to change house, the kids on the school. And Oxford was the newest place for Northampton. So uh, I said, yeah, so I go to Oxford. And we had a lot of disappointment. I couldn't even understand the situation. And, um, and uh, signed two years with less, less of enthusiasm and to have to adapt again. But um, we've been talking for a while now. And uh, I've been doing that, doing that all my life, really, adapting and changing mm-hmm. again and again and again. <laughs> and, uh, and I have to do it another time. So I was quite disappointing. Disappointed, sorry, and um, but you know that's uh, that's um, a football life, and uh, even if we want stability, we know uh, anything can change. And you're just you know on a click, on a, just on a just on a on a, on a phone call. So um, I, I I still can't understand why that's been done. But you know no one no one is essential, and uh, Northampton did well, very well on that season. They got promoted. But maybe it was uh, he had he had his reasons, and uh, the reasons was right for him. It's interesting, really, because you talk about stability and adapting and you keeping your kids in school, but this is what happens. I mean, I've, sp- I've talked to a lot of footballers and the decisions they make have big impacts on their, on their future uh, seasons. And, and that was the case for you at Oxford, because, of course, it's the season that Oxford get relegated into the league. Um, yeah. And that means for all of your attempts to keep your family in one place, it spells yeah. the end of your career in England, really. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not really allowed to talk about Oxford that much, really, because yeah. this is a Swindon Town <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, but what on earth? Oxford should have never been relegated from the Football League. Of course I enjoy it, and of course I enjoy saying that, um, yeah. but it, it it was a... I mean, Swindon went down into League Two that same season, because I remember a week later, Oxford got relegated. You scored on that final day that against final day. against yeah. Leighton Orient as well. Um, what what yeah. was going wrong at that time, and what do you remember about that last day of the season? Um, I think uh, um, the... the... Did a sort of uh, wrong man at the wrong place all the time during that season, and um, as uh, uh, when I was saying when I came to Swindon, uh, um, I I realized after years after that Swindon was a bit of mess uh, when I first came to Swindon because I had a uh, financial problem, change of chairman. Uh, all those things, but I couldn't understand that because I couldn't understand the language. If I, I didn't know the country, and uh, when I came to Oxford, I understood that it was a mess as well, and the wrong man and the wrong place, and Brian Talbot with a lot of energy, enthusiasm, 
but he was like talking to to uh, to uh, deaf people. No one was listening to him, and um, and uh, he was signing players uh, every two days, every two days, every two weeks. Players was coming on a non-contract on the on the two week stuff on the uh, no no stability, no no thinking. And uh, after, after that, Kassam, Mr. Kassam was m more on a business project than on a sports project. So there was so so many things uh, f too far from football, uh, and and that's in a way that's a good thing. That's when you when you don't respect the game uh, for for why is originally you get punished. And uh, in at, at that time in a, in a club, so many good lads, you know, Chris Hargreaves. Um, uh, uh, Matt Wilmot, honest players, um, all those lads wanted to do things, to do things right, and uh, because uh, there was no, 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 no lines, no direction, we don't know where we were going, going. So, uh, and uh, from personally speaking, when I first came, I just became the the, the best player on the, on the up front, everyone relying on me. And um, I had that sort of disappointment, and um, I couldn't understand why. What I'm doing? What, what, what I'm doing in that club? Why I'm playing here? And uh, I remember I made that decision. The, the relegation didn't push me to 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 leave England, but uh, at some point I told myself. I remember once uh, I was playing the phone with a young lad called Craig. I can't remember his surname. Craig, very you know enthusiastic, 22 year old, years old, and uh, we played up front, and I was I was a very good player at that at that moment. I was a good striker. Uh, I couldn't play back. back to, I could play uh, back to goal, good ones. I was scoring goals in Oxford. I was a better goal scorer, and uh, once I I scored a, um, a superb goal against uh, Turkey. I just took the ball from from a corner against us, and I just ran past everyone and and chip it. And uh, we drew three zero. And on the way back, I told myself, "What I'm doing in that division? I'm 31, and I really, for I really told myself, I will, uh, I, I will retire. I, I'm fed up with football because um, uh, there's no point to to keep on uh, playing in that division at 31. And I don't know what's going. I don't know what I know. What I want to do uh, for for the next 10 years in my life, but I know I don't want to play in that sort of football anymore with something not organized." And uh, unfortunately, I, I got injured as well. Or fortunately for me, I got injured because I had opened my mind to different things again. And um, and uh, the new manager came and told me, "We need you. We need you for for to to save the club." So I pushed myself. You know, I had um, um, a torn torn thigh. You know, I torn uh, eight centimeters, uh, a big torn on my on the hamstring. And I came quickly to try to to play games, to to do something, to grab some points. Uh, and I did my best, but at the end of it, in my mind, I was I was really thinking that I didn't I didn't have to stay in that industry anymore because that was a, a loss of time. Because on that sort of clubs with everything, a big stadium, big city, and uh, no one wants to really no one no one really wants to to uh, to make it happen. So um, so the, the 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 original disappointment to leave Northampton maybe. Uh, if if things would have been good at Oxford, maybe I would have played another one season, maybe. But because I was, uh, I really thought I was losing my time mm. as a person, not not as a footballer at Oxford, but as a person. Sure, and I think I think that player was Craig Davis. I yeah. think maybe yeah. went on to uh, have a quite a decent career up in the in the leagues above as well. Um, but that final day against Leeds, because the reason I say it one is because I. I 
take tremendous enjoyment out of out of Oxford getting relegated because I'm a Swindon fan. But also, I mean, I find it really interesting. It's one of my biggest fears as a football fan uh, getting relegated into non-league. Um, Swindon aren't immune from that. We're currently in League Two. A bad season could result in what should be the unthinkable. At the end of the season just gone for us in 2019, Swindon relegated Notts County, the oldest football league team in in the business. And it was a really surreal experience watching them go through all those emotions. What was it like for you as a player during that game? Because it was was a chaotic game, real end-to-ends against Leighton Orient. Um, yeah, exactly. Because we were so stressed um, because we knew, you know, obviously when you want to do something and you are, you don't have the the, the capacity because uh, we had a problem of obviously understanding on a pitch, uh, quality maybe <laughs> after 46 games maybe, and um, and to be on a pitch you want to do things, but uh, football it, at the end of the day it's something very simple. Uh, if you are in that position, that means you you're less good than than everyone else. You you, you cannot lie. Forty six game is very it gives give you the truth, and uh, and on that game, uh, to be able to score first was even worse because when you don't have enough enough understanding, enough quality on your passes on your on on anything, uh, when you score, you 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 become in a situation when you're scared to win the game. You don't know how to win it. And uh, maybe if if we had to chase something, maybe one one nil down, and uh, we have to push it. But as soon as we scored first, everyone was a bit stressed in a in a in a stance, with, uh, uh, booing booing when you miss something. Anytime later on, because I think later on, you're not. Um, something to win as well. I think they mm-hmm. played maybe in the playoffs on that day. Or they got promoted or... as a result of it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, so when you that's that's a that's a nice story for life, you know. When you when you have something to protect and you have something to 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 chase, the positive pressure is always easier to to deal with, and the negative pressure, uh, uh, you, you the human being cannot uh, cannot cannot um, uh, manage cannot live with this, and uh, we didn't manage because we didn't have enough quality. And maybe uh, when I say the wrong man at the wrong time, uh, even a big, big Jim, when he came, that the same thing. I don't think I was the right person to help us at that time. And um, and all the coach, maybe David Dave Oldfield was uh, quite was was trying to help us, you know, on the back on the back room, give, uh, telling us positive things, pushing us. But uh, the, the new manager, he, he came from uh, that was a very a sort of Roy Evans, but uh, not not the same quality of person in my opinion. But uh, he, he's been negative with us all the time. So when you when someone you know is struggling and you you come from higher division saying you're not good enough. Uh, where's your left foot? You can cross the wall. You cannot. You cannot. The negative brings the negative, and um, and they even uh, brought some people, some mentalists uh, from I don't know where, uh, telling us, you know, if you if you see the 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 pink the pink window, maybe maybe you will see the the pink outside and things bizarre, and uh, they 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 tried everything, but not at as at the right time. So. Um, so that's something we cannot say as a, as a, as sports people. But sometimes a relegation is better than uh, better than staying and and keeping on doing the wrong things. I don't know. A deep delivery, and it's back across goal, and it's off the line. Incredible! Swindon players were celebrating, the bench was celebrating, but the ball 
didn't cross the line. Is it Shadon Logan on the line? It certainly is. What an incredible clearance, because he's actually stepped off the post he was marking. And it goes again. This time it's in. Aidan Flint. Swindon Town have rescued it. And Brentford are on the floor in their own backyard again. For whatever reason, you return into France. You go back to the Romans again because you you join Arles, which I think is a Roman town, isn't it? Um, yes. And you spend a couple of seasons there. What I like about your career is you go full circle because at the end you return to Nîmes. Um, but even better, you represent Martinique, which yeah. <laughs> must be better late than never. Yeah. So to be fair, uh, the week before the week before I leave, uh, I left Martinique in '93. I was uh, 18. Uh, I've been called uh, to play to play with the national team because they had few injuries, and I've been called. I was so proud, 18, play for the play for the national team. And a week after, I went on, on the trial. I went to the trial to Nîmes, and uh, when I left Oxford, uh, literally for me, my career was was off. So I was finished, and uh, so I was on holiday in July, a bit like now, you know, hot hot period. And I've got a friend of mine calling me saying, "Yeah, I'm looking for a striker to play." And uh, the friend is a, is a coach. He's looking for a striker. I said, no, that's finished for me. I retired. I don't play anymore. He said, no, but that's just for at all. You just come to play on the weekend. Don't worry. You, you don't have to train nothing. I said, mm, yeah, why not? Okay, okay, that's fine. And uh, I told him yes. And uh, when I came on the first training session to meet everyone, he told me, uh, um, uh, by the way, we're not, in, uh, we're not in county league. We're in the fourth division. So that was like the league two. And I said, no, you're serious? No, I'm not playing. I don't want to play football anymore. Leave, leave me. I'm thinking about different things. And he said, no, you just come on the weekend. Don't worry. Just weekends. And uh, you just help the young lads. And you play, let's say, 10 games in a season. I said, OK. And I finished to play all the games in the season. And we got promoted. And uh, I played another season in the third division, which is League One. This is a French League One, the third level. And uh, at that time, when we, I played in that division, uh, we played against a team called Tour, Tour in the middle of in the middle of France. And uh, you can imagine when I came back to to France, I, I didn't lose just uh, one single challenge in year. And uh, anytime I was making a run, I was like five yards in advance because the level is so low compared to England. And uh, once we play against two, and I try to, to flick a ball, and uh, I've got a defender in my back, he won a challenge. I say, hold on a minute, who's that guy? I turn, my, I turn to, to see the face of the, lad, the young lads, 22, 23. He's not very, not very tall. A second ball, I receive a second ball from, the, from my keeper. I try to flick it again, and he won the challenge a second time in a row. I said, what is going on? And the, the manager, my friend, said, Eric, you're 34. You, you're an old man now. You know that you, that you have to, to accept that. You, you, you don't jump as, as high as before. I said, no, 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 no. I tell you, I don't want to lose a challenge in France. This guy is a good player. He's a good defender. The, my, my, my manager said, no, Eric, you're an old man. Go on the bench. Uh, you're tired. I said, listen, take this boy. This boy is a superb defender. I cannot imagine someone jumping so high. And this, this defender was Laurent Koscielny. And he was playing for Tour. And when I, I realized I played against Koscielny when I'm on my last season against Arne uh, in France, and uh, he was playing in the third division. He was 22, 23. So that's quite, uh, yeah. Yeah, amazing. That's and, quite amazing, yeah. And Martinique, you go out there, you go, I think it's Guadeloupe you play in. Um, 
you you, you do all right. I mean, the, the uh, Martinique don't do they don't qualify, unfortunately. But you you have a four, great yes. time because you score yeah. uh, you score what four in three games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for four goals uh, over there. So to um, I went back. Uh, I had a, a double project because I was on a way to. Uh, um, I opened my uh, my soccer school and I was on a way to uh, develop and and um, and uh, make make sure people know about what I want to do what I want to do next. So I said I told myself to go to Martinique, play games uh, for the national team, and uh, we've gave me a bit of publicity. And uh, the, the manager was a good friend of mine, same age. We played together when we were, we were young, and uh, I went I went there in a way to help help the place. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been very very proud and happy to come back. You know, have my first game and uh, the last one I did uh, did quite well. And um, and uh, I started that idea to um, to promote to promote the young the young players uh, the young players from Martinique and Guadeloupe and uh, that was the start of a, a, a different story around football. But uh, on that time, um, maybe it was too late. But uh, that's the problem with um, players from um, uh, originally when we from a country not recognized by the FIFA, uh, you you don't have the respect maybe you deserve and. Uh, Two or three times before, I remember at Swindon once, and another time the, the national team called me to come and help them. But uh, Andy King been laughing at me, telling me Martinique to do what? Why is Martinique? Martinique is not a country, so you're not going to the to play games again for Martinique. So uh, it's always it was always difficult to come back to uh, play for the, the, the national team, which is not a nation, which is not a country, but. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, quite a, 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 sit, a, a bizarre situation, a situation in between where uh, we 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 can go to Gold Cup to all the competition mm-hmm. in Concacaf, but we don't we're not considered as a country, a country. So the best player cannot go, or they they only go when they finish their career or when they're not important players in their squad in their clubs. Guadeloupe are the same, aren't they? They do, they had a very good. Uh... Gold Cup a few about ten years ago because of yeah. the Swindon player playing in uh, Miguel Cominguez and uh, ah, yeah. and yeah. Um, and of course they can't qualify because they are the the, the technically part of France aren't they even though they're independent yeah. it's it's a, yeah it's an unfortunate one for but as we begin to wrap this conversation up and it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you you've you've mentioned a bit um, about your coaching so if I can have a little bit more about that because that sounds very interesting. Yeah, that's something I've uh, so I've been um, developing. When I was at Northampton already, I was very interested in the the grassroots. Uh, I was going to Moulton College sometimes, and I was already in touch with uh, Darren Norton, which is still at the football club. So the, uh, as a player, I was always interested in what's going on uh, uh, on the grassroots, what's going on in under fifteen, under seventeen, and and naturally when I when I I, you know, when far when I was far from uh, the professional football, uh, I've been very interested in developing and uh, doing, uh, trying to, um, let's say, trying to uh, to uh, do what, what I've lacked when I was a player, because I lacked the development between between 12 and 18. So I've been um, I've been opening. I opened an academy. Uh, in the south of France, where I can uh, I can receive players from West Indies, from Trinidad, from Martinique, Guadeloupe, and they spend uh, one or two years with me, and we worked on a, as an individual. We are concentrated on the individual, not really the teams, uh, the teams and the togetherness, understanding, but as an individual to to develop every player individually, and uh, every time we got players who sign for any football clubs in France, Monaco, Marseille. 
um, Nice, Nîmes, Montpellier. So the boys get developed by us for a couple of years. And uh, on top of that, I managed to do some exchanges with England. We went to Northampton. Northampton Town came once. And I've tried to bring some Swindon Town uh, under 15, under 16. That's something I still want to do, hopefully. So we, I promote like exchanges, football exchanges, but as a development, not as discovery or tourism, as a development to, to develop a young footballer for him to understand the game. And on top of that, we want to, to make sure they, they, uh, they play football, um, um, they become professional footballers. So um, it's a young project. We only have uh, we have uh, one of the girls, you know, one of the girls we develop attend to the the World Cup uh, with France. Another one played for Nice, a right back. He played for Nice. So nice and slowly, you know, the the young lads we we've been spotting, um, they're trying to make it. So um, it's quite an open project, and uh, a lot of education in it. And at the end of it, we want to see the one maybe so the other one didn't didn't spot, didn't didn't see, and to promote it, to give exposure to average player to become good players. Final two questions then, um, both Swindon related. One I forgot to ask you earlier. So when Sam Parkin was on the podcast, he he, he said a story about how he used to sell. Christmas trees uh, to, to teammates. Now, I've spoke to a lot of teammates um, and none of them have said that they've bought a Christmas tree of Sam Parkin. So I'm going to ask you, did you, Eric, buy a Christmas tree from Sam Parkin? No, I didn't have to do it because, uh, you know, he would have been uh, he would have been upset. with. Uh, so he always asked me for uh, red wine instead. So um, and I have that chance to, uh, you know, and his his dad is very he knows about red red wine. So maybe he's a, a big lover of red wine. So I always try to open his mind of, of the French culture instead of uh, offering him things. He's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he already has uh, with other people. So so you did not buy a Christmas tree. No. <laughs> uh, I'll find somebody. I'll find somebody. And my final question. A lot. Uh, it's been a long time since that since you played for Swindon. So the question is, what what does Swindon Town mean to you today? Yeah, if I if I um, if I if I like a summary, uh, as I said before, I think I really become a man by coming to Swindon, and um, and that was uh, at some point all of us we we change, we make decisions. And the way the person I am today uh, has been massively influenced by the, what I've experienced at Swindon, because the way I was seeing life, you know, things maybe I was somewhere someone not lazy but uh, very you know easygoing, uh, and now I'm someone very very proactive person because um, when I first came to Swindon, I realized if I don't change my my personality, if I don't become someone a bit more proactive, I don't. Come to go to 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 take my chance. I've got no 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 chance to be a, a better footballer and maybe a better person. So um, uh, Swindon, yeah, Swindon is is a deeply deeply um, um, uh, present in my in, in the way I've, I I change everything changed at that at, in that period, and um, and uh, even for my family, my my big my bigger daughter, she's twenty. She will be twenty uh, next week. And um, and that's the best decision I've made for her. 
to go to Swindon. So uh, hopefully, uh, if if some if at some point she wants to come back to someone somewhere in England, Swindon or elsewhere, that's because I make that decision to go to Swindon. So um, uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh, um, open, you know going to going to different places, and um, and that's something something uh, something I, I love to 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 um, talk to people to. Uh, it's a magic roundabout because no one knows mm. uh, this thing about about Swindon. And uh, uh, if uh, if I if if I if I had to if I had to consider how many people I talked to about these things about this <clears throat> this genius thing, uh, it's at Swindon. It's uh, amazing. So um, yeah, you know, if uh, without joking, uh, uh, that changed my life. You gotta see it to believe it. Eric, thank you very much. My pleasure. Below Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford, and the artwork is provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. It's a grand old team to play for. And it's a grand old team to see. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.